Welcome in to News Underground on Radio 1190, KVCU Boulder, 602 local time here in the Mountain Time Zone. You're tuned in to Radio 1190, KVCU Boulder, either on your AM radio or or on your mobile app. And if you don't have the mobile app, you can go find it right now. Search Radio 1190, or you can just search KVCU in the iTunes App Store. And they're actually, funny story, real funny story quickly, there are two apps in the iTunes App Store that are Radio 1190 apps. One is some sketchy app that we had made a long time ago by some random group in, in Switzerland or Sweden, something like that. And we don't know how to get rid of it. It was it was the beginning of the app phase, so we thought it was... I wasn't here, actually. I was still in high school. So I've been told that the crew here thought it would be cool just to have an app. And they didn't, you know, at the time, think apps would blow up the way they have. So we do have a more recent app. And um, if you search KVCU in the uh, iTunes App Store, the first one that comes up, it has uh, the iTunes or the Radio 1190 logo on a black background, and that's the one you want. The other one is an iTunes uh, App Store app that has a white background, and that is not the one you want. So there you go. You can listen to Radio 1190 wherever you are in crystal clear HD digital stream or, of course, always online at Radio1190.org. But you already knew that. Welcome into the news hour. Solo Joe tonight on this Wednesday, June 10th. Uh, really busy day around the world. I mean, it always is a busy day around the world. I did remember growing up uh, once thinking that it was incredible how all the news that happened always just fit perfectly in the newspaper. Because the newspaper is always about the same size. You know, growing up, um, delivered to my house, we had the Rocky Mountain News, rest in peace, and the Denver Post. And I was, you know, I, I was pretty young, and I had the thought, that just stuck with me is it's incredible how all the news that happens in the entire world always fits just perfectly in the newspaper and then i found out as a journalism student in high school that there are people that pick and choose what we read so just like on this show someone picks and chooses what you listen to wonder who that is you can send them an email if you don't like it joe at radio1190.org only kidding please send me nice emails Let's do the weather. Mostly cloudy right now in Boulder County, 72 degrees Fahrenheit, 22 degrees for our Canadian friends, measured in Celsius. Tonight, a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms, mainly before 8 p.m., mostly cloudy with a low around 56. Thursday, tomorrow, a 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms, mainly after 9 a.m., some of the storms could produce heavy rain, maybe even hail. It will be mostly cloudy throughout tomorrow with a high near 71 with some winds coming in in the afternoon. Tomorrow night, showers are likely throughout the evening. Some thunderstorms as well. Um, again, we're looking at some pretty violent thunderstorms tomorrow night. Could produce some heavy rain. Uh, tomorrow, we will have a high again of uh, 71 and a low around 52 with some light wind throughout the day. And looking into Friday, Friday will have showers throughout the day, mostly before noon, before the clouds will uh, kind of disperse into the late afternoon. And it looks like Friday night, it will be clear. So if you want to go out and have a nice night on the town, Friday night might be your night for that. Although I will say there's a pretty gung-ho group here in Boulder that will go out in anything. And then looking at the future cast in the weekend, uh, looks like we're going to have the same old, same old, slight chance of thunderstorms on Saturday 
and a slight chance of thunderstorms on Sunday. Highs in the 70s and 80s. So there you are. Some traffic news. The Colorado State Patrol reopened U.S. Highway 36 after shutting it down following a two-vehicle crash this morning. About 8 a.m., Sergeant Robert Madden said a woman driving a white Honda eastbound fell asleep behind the wheel and crossed the center line into the path of a westbound pickup truck. Madden said the driver of the pickup, who was towing a travel trailer, swerved to avoid a collision but was hit by the Honda and collided with the rock wall. Two passengers in the truck were transported to the hospital, one via helicopter with unknown injuries. Police cited the Honda driver for careless driving resulting in injury, no proof of insurance, and no driver's license. Um, Madden also said the woman who witnessed the crash just before uh, ran to a nearby house and called 911. You know, obviously it was an accident, but in the morning or late at night, be careful to stay awake behind the wheel. I know it's common sense, but drink that extra cup of coffee or splash some water on your face or, I don't know, other tact- listen to the radio very loudly. You should be listening to Radio 1190 KVCU on your drive to work and just crank that up to about 11 or 12. That'll keep you awake. So, if you haven't heard, uh, the Conference of World Affairs here at the University of Colorado has been under some criticism after a new leadership group took over, and right now it looks like there are some people that are threatening to boycott next year's Conference of World Affairs. The continued backlash against the new Conference of World Affairs director, John Griffin, continues this week with more than 85 participants saying that they will not return to Boulder next year under his leadership as a uh, protest. The conference veterans, some of who have been working on the panels here for more than 30 years, wrote in a daily camera guest opinion that they are planning to sit out the event in 2016. They wrote collectively in a statement, We join with the many voices in Colorado and from all over the country in urging CU to seriously consider changing its actions in the CWA leadership. Uh, Some of the people who are threatening to boycott include... John Tierman, Jurek Martin, Liz Weir, and Terrence McNally, uh, along with more recent additions like Jello Befara and Chaz Ebert. Um, the CWA, again, features hundreds of participants every year, and there's some great panels all for free here at the University of Colorado, always some uh, some great speakers from around the world. I know we had a few of the CWA speakers here in our very studio. Uh, we had jazz legend Derek Nash joining us, and that was uh, quite a treat. And then he performed uh, in the jazz, uh, jazz concert here in the spring. It was awesome. And really, it comes down to John Griffin, who's the current director of the Conference of World Affairs, and he has been criticized for the way that he has been running the CWA in his short tenure. Um, Griffin, in an interview on Tuesday with the Boulder Daily Camera, said that 85 participants who signed the camera guest opinion are not, quote-unquote, representative of the broader group who have more of a commitment or loyalty to the conference itself. Some of the panelists boycotting next year's event might not even be inviting in 2016, according to Griffin, because the conference tries to balance the number of new and veteran participants each year. Griffin also said in a statement, there's a small number of people who seem intent on putting themselves before the conference itself, and from my vantage point, trying to do damage to next year's event. If I was a member of the Boulder community, I wouldn't appreciate that very much. 
CWA participants who actually are not allowed to be from the state of Colorado. Uh, I know that there's actually a little bit of a controversy. Well, it's not just this past year. There's always a little bit of a controversy of people that are Colorado residents that think they should be able to be part of the CWA. But the part, uh, the, the point of the CWA is to have people from around the world outside of Colorado to come in for the week-long event. And it's very troubling to have an event like this have so much drama behind it because it really is i mean it's always a highlight of my year not only as a student here but as a journalist because there are so many exciting talks that yeah at this point you can always look someone up online i mean it seems like everyone's given a ted talk but it's so cool to be in person and not only be part of the presentation itself but Personally, I like the post part of the presentation, the question and answers, the open question and answers from the panelists and the crowd live right there. And yeah, a lot of these are live streamed through the University of Colorado. I was actually part of a team that helped live stream it this year. But it's so cool to be in the building here on the University of Colorado to see these people in action. And at the same time, I find new people every year. The last three years, I have found people who I'd never heard of in my life from different backgrounds, science, literature, politics, whatever, and I've learned something. And, you know, there's always jokes made that, oh, I learned more during the Conference of World Affairs than I did all all week. And there's a little bit of truth behind that because you're not going to have these types of talks in an everyday lecture. And at the same time, it's also usually not appropriate to ask random questions at the end of a lecture. Uh, you know, professors would rather you come into their office hours and you know understandably so so we will see if uh griffin will maybe be pulled as the cwa director uh i know that it did go quiet for a little bit but during the conference of world affairs and right after it there was a lot of controversy um we'll see if maybe chancellor phil de stefano uh will be forced into maybe getting rid of griffin i mean this is a event that has so much prestige behind it it's been here for i mean close to 70 years i think this last year was the 67th year and one donor said that she's actually going to be withholding a one million dollar gift to the conference because of griffin and griffin actually had to defend himself during a impromptu panel at the end of this year's uh, conference saying that he hopes to include new and diverse perspectives in planning for the future but it seems that some panelists weren't moved by his comments and griffin was a political science professor and he took over about a year ago before facing public criticism for his leadership style his motives in running the conference uh, him being transparent to the public and the way that he held uh, personnel matters basically not in the way a lot of people would like to see it be held and i know that this is a conference that the community i mean here and abroad cares a lot about so i can't imagine that something like this will go unrectified uh i know there's a lot of big players that are involved in the conference of world affairs and i really hope that something is figured out and that the drama behind it doesn't supersede the conference itself and i think to the average conference of world affair fan this is a non-issue but it's more about 
who is going to be willing to come to the University of Colorado, and more importantly, who isn't going to be willing to come. Because a lot of these people in these specialty fields that are invited year after year, they're close friends in small communities with other people that could be potential panelists. And if there's a bad rap about coming to Boulder and coming to an event that most of these people pay their own way too. I know uh, they have a billeting system where you, uh, if you're a speaker or on a panel, you have the option of staying with someone in Boulder and, you know, they, they feed you for a week, they have a place for you to stay, they give you someone to hang out with here in town. But these people are taking the time out of their very busy schedules and if it's a hassle to deal with, why would someone come to Boulder, Colorado if, it, if it's not something they'd love to do? And I know we all love Boulder, but if you're making the trip from, okay, let's say Europe, let's say Derek Nash, who comes from England, if he feels like he's going to come all the way across the pond and have to deal with drama and all this political stuff, why would he come here? He's a musician legend. And, he, you know, you have people like him that you don't even, you don't really even need to deal with that crap. So I'll leave it there. Uh, we'll see. Where this will go, Griffin did say in a statement to the Boulder Daily Camera, quote, we're really confident that the quality of our speakers and the panels we're going to be able to put together is going to remain very strong. So, uh, Mr. Griffin, I hope you're right, but we will see. Uh, I, he was appointed last summer, so we'll see if he even lasts a full year. We'll see if Chancellor DeStefano has to step in and take care of some business. Other local news. Uh, the Boulder City Council has rescheduled their public hearing to expand bike lanes and to reduce vehicle lanes on four major streets in Boulder. That council meeting has been moved to Monday. Um, the quote-unquote right-sizing discussion has been scheduled that had been scheduled for uh, yesterday, which was the last regular city council meeting before a month-long summer recess, has been rescheduled to Monday. Uh, the discussion expected to be long and contentious, and uh, they were saying that yesterday's agenda was already pretty booked full. Uh, additionally, the what will end up being the final city council meeting um, for the summer will also deal with the community health uh, Broadway campus, and they're going to take a look actually and do a hospital tour before the start of the regular meeting at 6 p.m., uh, roughly 50 people spoke at the Transportation Advisory Board this week for and against the right-sizing plan. Uh, the board itself actually has recommended that the pilot project go forward. Uh, again, we talked about it last week, but uh, in brief, this new uh, resizing of the lanes would expand bike lanes with room for buffers on portions of Iris Avenue, Folsom Street, 55th Street, and 63rd Street, and that would be, uh, from what I understand, a living lab uh, research to see if there are maybe other parts of Boulder or maybe other places around the country that would like to adopt what's going on here. And uh, again, briefly, they want to expand the bike lane to be a little bit larger for people uh, people that are going down these busy areas and to also have more room in between the vehicle lanes and the bike lanes itself because accidents do happen we live in a very active community there's a lot of bikers and they sometimes feel it's unsafe and also as a driver you would feel more comfortable with a little bit more room 
because it is pretty scary sometimes as a driver. You know, it's scary as a as a bicyclist sometimes because you feel like you're going to get obliterated. But it's also scary as a driver that you might accidentally clip someone. And I have a perfect driving record, but even you know, as a as my friends even make fun of me, they call me a overly grandma driver. Apparently, I drive too well. Um, yeah, I have I have concerns. I mean, it's a little a little scary sometimes down the down the alley on the right side if you're making a right turn you have to like be very very careful that you don't have someone flying up behind you because it's not like it's just casual bikers there are people that are on the streets of boulder that are like competitive bicyclists and they could just they could book and they come out of nowhere and honestly sometimes the bikers i'm at fault of this sometimes too they do not abide by the rules of the road like they should just putting that out there uh, some really sad local news. Boulder County wildlife officials say that a group of fish that surfaced in Gun Barrel's Twin Lake area most likely died from natural causes as a result of this week's warm weather. Parks and Open Space Ranger Denny Morris responded to two small ponds northeast of J Road on Wednesday morning and found roughly 50 dead fish, each about two to three inches long, floating in the water of the East Lake. While it may be alarming for the people that were around the lake, experts saying that this die-off likely resulted from natural causes. And that's too bad. But Ranger Denny Morris says it's basically an oxygen depletion scenario. It happens to most of the ponds around here every summer. Uh, also near Jay Road, Moore spotted many other active fish, and he said he's not worried about the quality of water and that these things just happen. Uh, Mac Kobza, who is a county fish biologist, told the Boulder Daily Camera, quote, The things that usually do cause these small fish to die is low oxygen in the water. That always happens this time of year when we get warm, sunny conditions followed by cloudy conditions like we've been getting. Uh, he says we get a buildup of algae in the water and bacteria that eats up the oxygen and causes lower oxygen levels in the water column, which inevitably can kill um, some of these uh, sensitive fish. Uh, yeah. It has nothing to do with chemicals, experts are saying, or anything harmful to the environment. Again, it's a fairly natural event that can be alarming if you see it firsthand. But again, local wildlife officials are saying that it isn't really a huge deal. I feel bad for the fish. No one wants to be a dead fish. Some good news coming out of the University of Colorado. CU Law Professor Melissa Hart was named today as one of three finalists for a vacant seat at the Colorado Supreme Court. After meeting for the past two days in Denver, the state Supreme Court Nomination Commission selected three candidates for the vacancy that will be created when Justice Gregory Hobbs Jr. steps down as of September 1. In addition to Hart, who again is a professor here from the University of Colorado, the panel nominated Richard Gabriel of Denver and David Prince of Colorado Springs. Hart is the director of the Byron R. White Center for the Study of American Constitutional Law at CU. Governor John Hickenlooper has until June 25th to appoint one of the nominees. Uh, city council officials are okaying a plan to enhance Broomfield. Some new grants are being aimed to beautify the city. Broomfield 
Broomfield may soon be getting a facelift with the city council's decision on Tuesday night to establish an enhanced Broomfield effort, which will improve uh, the commercial and industrial buildings and centers around the city. The program is an effort to beautify Broomfield, allowing new and existing small businesses and business owners to apply for grants to improve their properties, uh, though specifically with leases at least three years old. Enhanced Broomfield aims to assist small business owners to employ less than 50 full-time employees to redevelop outdated and underutilized buildings with hope of reducing vacancies and increasing commercial and industrial property values. Uh, The Broomfield City Council approved a $100,000 for the program first year budget the money comes from the asset protection reserve fund which receives money from sales and tax collections there currently is more than four million dollars in that fund and with that money broomfield is hoping they will be able to make a dent in some of the less aesthetically pleasing buildings around the city so if you're driving through broomfield and something catches your eye it may be a new addition to a building you've never seen before Boulder Brand's CEO has resigned, that's right, as shares of Boulder Brand Inc. has sunk more than 20% um, because of the news that CEO Steve Hughes has resigned from the natural food and uh, general food supplier. Uh, Hughes, who co-founded the company when it was actually called Boulder Specialty Brands back in 2005, resigned from his position as chief executive officer and director effective immediately. James B. Lighton, who is the chief operating officer, the COO, will step up to the CEO's rule, role on the interim basis. Boulder Brands, which owns such foods as Evolve Foods, UDs, and Smart Balance, plans to conduct a national search for a new CEO and will also consider internal and external candidates. Additionally, Boulder Brands released guidance for the second quarter, a period that the company expects a reduction in their sales trend. Uh, this morning on the stock market, uh, Boulder Brands is actually on the NASDAQ. It was being traded for just above $7 a share. Uh, we were actually talking about on Monday that the same group, Boulder Brands, had actually been given a large sum of money from the city of Boulder as tax breaks in order to keep on developing their dedication to natural and organic food. Some national news from the state of Colorado. Some Boy Scout troops were rescued from a mountain after they were stuck in an ice patch. Search and rescue crews in southwest Colorado found a Boy Scout troop that was stranded Wednesday morning on an ice patch while hiking in a remote mountain area. The troop, which was made up of 34 scouts and five adults, was located in an area around Richmond Pass near Red Mountain Pass on U.S. 550 between the two towns of Ouray and Silverton. Marty Whitmore, who is an Ouray County spokeswoman, (coughs) said that rescuers located the troop at 1 p.m. and are walking them off the mountain. She said in a statement, there is ice and snow remaining in the higher elevations of mountainous terrain in the area. Current weather conditions include rain in lower elevations and possibly snow or sleet in the area where the rescue is underway. Whitmore said the county sheriff's office received 911 calls from the group at about 7 a.m. Whitmore said the troop had been hiking in the area since Monday. Officials say they lack, uh, the area lacks cell phone service and really uh, it's a good thing they got a hold of the 911 system. So again, the Boy Scout troops that were, uh, I guess, stranded on an ice patch are all okay and all rescued so uh, i wonder if they'll get a special merit badge for that i know 
Boy Scout life is all about those merit badges. I I got one ever before I left the Boy Scouts. I got the Pine Derby, Pinewood Derby badge as a Cub Scout, and I lost the Pinewood Derby, so I left the Scouts. Hmm. 626 on Radio 1190 KBCU Boulder. Going to take a real quick break, but when we come back, the manhunt for two escaped murderers continues over in the Northeast. There are also some more developments from the FIFA world about the 2026 bidding. And also, the Pope is now developing some new systems to go after some church personnel that have been conducting in child abuse so stay tuned we've got some national and international headlines coming up right after the break right now though it is a track by nine inch nails it is called just like you imagine you're turned into radio 1190 kvc boulder don't go anywhere news underground we'll be right back after this 631 on radio 1190 kvc boulder you tune into news underground on a beautiful wednesday night as Morgan said during the sweepers, of course, find us on Facebook at News Underground and on Twitter at Radio 1190 News. Morgan, actually, quick story, who was the voice of our sweepers for the last three or four years, actually has now got a job as a local news reporter down in Texas. So congratulations to Morgan, who got her journalistic start here at Radio 1190 and is now on to much bigger and better things. Good for her. All righty. A pair of convicted killers who escaped from an upstate New York prison may have been headed across the border to Vermont, fearing pressure of an intense manhunt in the neighboring state, according to authorities today. For the first time since Saturday's escape, law enforcement officials acknowledged that a woman who worked with the convicts at a tailoring shop at the Clinton Correctional Facility in Dannemora may have played a role in the elaborate breakout. On the fourth day of the manhunt, which has now involved more than 400 law enforcement officers, New York State Police Superintendent Joseph A. D. Amico said authorities were looking behind every tree, under every rock, and inside every structure for fugitives Richard Matt and David Sweet. Sweat. His name is David Sweat. In a news conference outside the Maximum Security Prison, which is actually only 20 miles away from Canada, Vermont Governor Peter Shumlin said the search area has expanded its uh, beyond the state based on information that the inmates believed that New York was going to be hot and Vermont cooler in terms of law enforcement. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said, We have information to suggest that Vermont was discussed as a possible destination. If they are headed for Vermont, Vermont is engaged. Under an agreement with the neighboring states, New York state troopers will be allowed to cross state lines if needed. Investigators think prison employee Joyce Mitchell had planned to pick up the inmates after their escape, only to change her mind at the last minute. Damico, without elaborating, said Mitchell had befriended the men and may have had some sort of role in assisting their breakout. She has not been arrested or charged in connection at this point, nor has anybody else. The source added that Mitchell is cooperating with police and has provided them with a lot of information. Um, her cell phone was used to call several people connected to Matt, according to another source with knowledge of the investigation. It is not clear who made these calls when they were made or if Mitchell knew about them. Mitchell actually went to a local hospital because she had a panic attack. Um, 
the authorities at that point had discovered during a 5.30 a.m. Saturday bed check that Matt and Sweat had escaped. Um, these men are considered very dangerous, so if for some reason uh, you can provide information to local police in New York, or really if you have any information, just uh, connect anyone, um, yeah, 911 right away. These two guys um, actually were both, again, convicted murderers. Sweat was serving a life sentence without parole for fatally shooting and then running over a uh, county sheriff's deputy. And Matt was convicted for kidnapping a businessman for 27 hours. And when he didn't comply with pleas for money, he killed the he killed the hostage. All right, so that's Chipper. President Obama is looking to boost army advisors in Iraq. The United States is sent to set over 450 military advisors to Iraq to help train local forces fighting uh, Islamic forces. President Obama made the decision following a request from Iraqi Prime Minister Hadir al-Abdi. The troops will be deployed to the Takadum military base in Anbar province. Um, the Islamic State has seized Ramadi, the capital of Anbar. Um, ISIS has actually controlled that entire area since May. Um, it has made gains across the region despite U.S.-led coalition airstrikes. The move is aimed at enabling more Iraqis, mostly Sunni tribal volunteers, to integrate into the Iraq army and reclaim their territory from ISIS. We will see uh, if this will make a difference. The White House statement added that these new advisors will work to build capacity of Iraqi forces, including local tribal fighters, to improve their ability to plan, lead, and conduct operations. Parts of the White House in the Senate were evacuated after a bomb threat. That's right. Parts of the United States White House and Senate office buildings were evacuated yesterday after a telephone bomb threat. The White House press briefing room was evacuated just a few hours after parts of the Senate's office building was empty by security guards. No threats were found at the U.S. Congressional Complex, and an all-clear was eventually given. Um, if it is not clear uh, if the two incidents were actually connected. The live televised White House briefing was in progress when security agents uh, asked attendees to please leave the building. Upon resuming the briefing, uh, White House Press Secretary Josh Ernest said a bomb threat was made against the briefing room in a phone call made to the Washington Metropolitan Police Department. A Secret Service spokeswoman said the evacuation was limited to the White House briefing room and did not affect any other sections of the White House. Cameras were left running after the evacuation, and agents could be seen uh, directing bomb-sniffing dogs throughout the room. On to the FIFA front. FIFA Secretary General Jerome Valky said that FIFA would postpone the bidding process for the 2026 World Cup as investigators continue to look into allegations that bribery helped determine the hosts of earlier World Cups. The World Soccer Governing Body had expected to allocate the 2026 tournament to a host nation in 2017, with the bidding process to uh, start very soon. Uh, Secretary Valky said that in the current situation, it's nonsense to start any bidding process for the time being. FIFA added on Monday that there are no legal grounds for it to take the 2018 World Cup from Russia or the 2022 event from Qatar. Uh, speaking to reporters while on a visit to Russia on Wednesday, Valky said preparations for hosting the 2018 World Cup were um, on track. FIFA has been through a lot of scandals since the United States ha indicted 14 people, including nine of the 
the top FIFA officials on corruption charges. Swiss authorities simultaneously opened a separate investigation in how the 2018 and 2022 World Cups were awarded. The U.S. indictment uh, accuses Jack Warner, who is FIFA's former vice president and a member of parliament in Trinidad and Tobago, of taking a $10 million bribe to vote for South Africa to host the 2010 World Cup. The indictment says South Africa was willing to pay $10 million to the Caribbean Football Union to support the African dis- diaspora in exchange for Warner and two other uh, conspirators' votes to put the 2010 World Cup in South Africa, where it was, instead of Morocco. The South African Bid Committee has denied um, these allegations vehemently. The Texas police officer that was caught on YouTube for assaulting a 14-year-old girl has resigned after his actions in a pool party video. McKinney Police Corporal Eric Casebolt resigned after video showed him pushing a 14-year-old girl in a swimsuit to the ground and drawing his service weapon on other teens. His lawyer informed Fox 4 down in Texas that the decision on Tuesday afternoon was final. McKinney Police Officer Greg Connolly said Casebolt's actions were indefensible. And in another statement, Coney said he came into the call out of control. And as the video shows, he was out of control during the incident. I had 12 officers on the scene. 11 of them performed according to their training. Again, the video of the incident that happened last week involving Case Bolt at a neighborhood local in McKinney, Texas, went viral after uh, the video initially landed Case Bolt on administrative leave. He had conversations with local PD and realized it's probably best that he leave. Uh, Case Bolt again was seen pulling a teenage girl to the ground and pinning her with his knees while she cried out. He also pulled his gun and pointed it at other teens on the scene and briefly ran after them before being stopped by two fellow police officers. Um, Conley also added, uh, added that our policies, our training, and our practice do not support his actions. Uh, Case Bolt has apparently said that the incident wasn't racially motivated, but instead stress-related. There's, of course, been a ton of conversation in the media and in communities around the United States whether this what appeared to be racially motivated situation was, in fact, racism or if it was just a police officer who was out of control. But again, Case Bolt is saying that he was under a lot of stress at his job and acted out. Airlines are now wanting you to carry smaller bags to free up overhead bin space. Millions of flyers may soon have to rearrange the way they are going to pack. Global Airlines announced yesterday a new guideline that is recommending shrinking carry-on bag size in an effort to free up more space in what is an understandably packed overhead bin situation. The guideline, which is not binding, means that many existing bags currently in compliance with airline rules would not be given preferential treatment in the boarding process. While details of how the guidelines will be implemented are murky and can vary from airline to airline, it does raise the possibility that many flyers would be forced to check their favorite carry-on bags as they are too large. Flyers might ultimately need to buy smaller suitcases or pay a fee to check their bags, which runs around $25 on most airlines. The recommendation by the International Air Transportation Association suggests an optimal carry-on size at 21 inches tall by 13 and a half inches wide with a 7 and a half inches deep ratio. 
Uh, that is currently smaller than the current maximum size allowed by many airlines. Uh, for example, American Airlines and Delta Airlines, along with United, all currently allow bags that are 22 by 14 with a 9-inch pocket. Although gate agents don't always enforce these more generous measurements. Airlines around the globe have varying standards. Different enough that carry-on bags acceptable on one airline may not be on another airline. So keep your eye on this situation. And also if you are flying, I don't want to say an obscure airline, but if you're flying an airline that you don't usually, make sure you know the regulations of the bags because I actually was just, I was bored at John Wayne Airport and I was looking at one of the bins for, I believe it was Alaska Airline or Air Canada, something up north, and they were smaller than the one on Southwest. And I was thinking, huh, that would be a shame. If someone brought a bag and they didn't fit. All right. So big news coming out of Los Angeles. The Los Angeles City Council on Wednesday gave a final approval to an ordinance that will raise minimum wage in America's second largest city to $15 an hour by 2020 from the current minimum wage, which is $9. The measure, which has to still be signed into law by mayor, is significant because that will light the fire and encourage, hopefully, other uh, states across the United States to follow suit. $15 an hour is minimum wage. That that would be by 2020. I think that's that's pretty good. And I would I would really think that's appropriate. Uh, it sounds about right. Um, the federal minimum wage has been 7.25 an hour since 2009, so that would essentially double it. It's actually more than doubling it. Um, and you know, with the way the economy is, the way with inflation, the way that minimum wage really hasn't been addressed in the last few years, I know $15 sounds like a lot for minimum wage compared to what a lot of people get, but I think, uh, that'd be really nice. I mean, $15 an hour goes a long way, especially for folks that are hurting for money right now. $15 an hour. It's got my vote. I don't work a minimum wage job, but I do have several friends that do. And I know that as a college student, when you are trying to pay for school and make ends meet, having a minimum wage job, which takes a lot of time and effort out of you, is tough, but you need to do it. And if that burden is eased with a little bit more money, I think there'd be a few more happier people in the country. Just my personal opinion. Some other international news. Pope Benedict, excuse me, Pope Francis has created a tribunal for bishop negligence in abuse cases. The very popular Pope Francis, who has taken stands on many controversial issues and has been labeled a more liberal pope, took the biggest step yet to crack down on bishops who cover up for priests who have raped or molested children, creating a new tribunal section inside the Vatican to hear cases of bishops accused of failing to protect their congregants. The initiative, which was announced today, has significant legal and theolo theo theological implications since bishops have long been considered masters of, the, of their diocese and largely unaccountable when they bungle their job, with the Vatican stepping in only in cases of gross negligence. At this point, though, that reluctance to intervene has prompted years of criticism from abuse victims, advocacy groups, and others that the Vatican has failed to punish or forcibly remove those who have uh, preyed on children and congregants. And it is no secret there is a problem going on in the Catholic Church the last 
25, 30 years with different members of the church who are in positions of power, who are in positions of trust, have taken advantage of their posts. Uh, the Vatican said Francis, Pope Francis had approved proposals made by his sexual abuse advisory board, which includes survivors of abuse as well as experts in child protection policies that call for a new mechanism by which the Vatican can receive and examine complaints of abuse um, that are reported to them. And it could be, you know, anyone really in a position of power. Um, a, a special new judicial section with parliament, excuse me, with permanent staff will be created inside the congregation for the doctrine of the faith to judge bishops with regard to crimes of the abuse of, of, of office when connected to the abuse of minors. Uh, details are still being worked out, but a huge step for the victims of sexual abuse that had their, I mean, their lives just shattered. Um, I've seen more than one documentary here at the University of Colorado and, you know, the academic world and outside as well of just how negligent the church is and just not all churches. I'm just saying in some cases, the steps that are taken to protect someone just so that the church isn't embarrassed are very extreme. And I mean, you'd, you'd I'd say you'd be shocked. I hope you'd be shocked by the measures that are taken to protect those that prey on children. So, a big step by Pope Francis. Weird story coming out of Sweden. Two 13-year-old boys have been arrested on suspicion of murdering a 65-year-old man on a farm in southwestern Sweden. Cecilia Bergsten, who is a police investigator, investigator in Stockholm, said it is highly unusual that such young people are suspected of such a serious crime as murder. A man was found dead on his farm by a relative on Tuesday, but police have not disclosed how he died. Uh, the police statement also added that witness accounts and objects that link one of the boys to the scene led police to the two boys, adding that the two were suspected of murder. The pair, whose identities are not disclosed at this point, were arrested on Tuesday evening and taken in for questioning. Both boys were at the time on the run from a foster home um, and were in the care of social welfare authorities. Uh, according to the online edition of the Gothenburg tabloid, the boys are not brothers. In Sweden, children under the age of 15 cannot be charged with a crime or go on trial. Instead, they are placed in the care of social welfare authorities. Police are not allowed to hold children under 15 in custody either, but can interrogate them as part of an investigation. Remember that guy? Uh, his name was Brian Williams. He used to host NBC Nightly News, and then he made up all those stories about things he didn't really do whatever happened to him will we ever see him again will people forgive him well doesn't seem like it's going to matter because the beleaguered anchor brian williams is still awaiting word about his future but network insiders are saying that it is very unlikely that he'll return to the desk of nbc nightly news the troops in the news division believe that network executives are trying to come up with a new role for williams or just get him out of nbc altogether williams had anchored nbc nightly news since december 2004 but was again put on suspension this past year nbc news chairman andy lack told some of the network's correspondents at 
a recent meeting that no decision had been made about Williams' fate, leaving the door open for some other opportunity at the network. One person who anonymously said they were briefed on the situation said, quote, they all got the impression that Brian's going to be offered another job. An NBC News spokeswoman declined to comment beyond that to the L.A. Times. Williams, again, has been off air since February 7th when he was suspended without pay uh, after making misstatements about his 2003 reporting in the U.S. invasion of Iraq. The network has also undertaken an internal review of his work to examine other possible discrepancies in his reporting. Lester Holt, who has been in the anchor chair of NBC Nightly News since uh, Williams' suspension, has really been doing a great job as the full-time guy for NBC Nightly News and, I mean, personally, and I know a lot of people really hope that he gets that full-time job, although no one at NBC would comment it at this time. It is um, important to say that I think Lester Holt has stepped in and done a very good job. Although, it is interesting to notice that NBC Nightly News has fallen behind in the ratings since Williams left the program. ABC World News with David Muir um, has taken the lead in the demographic of 25 to 54-year-olds in overall viewers. So we'll see if Maybe NBC will try and bring in a big name to boost their ratings, which is kind of unfair to Lester Holt because Lester's been doing a really good job. I really like Lester Holt. Doing a good job. I also just underlaid it. I read an article, and I'd heard murmurings of this before, that Matt Lauer of the Today Show is like a really scummy guy. And I won't say which website I clicked it on, but I ended up finding myself to a Huffington Post and CNN article that... um, we're referring to when Matt Lauer basically had his former co-anchor Ann Curry ousted from NBC because he just didn't like her. Um, but yeah, there are some things out there about Matt Lauer, Matt Lauer, about him not being a good guy at all, which is really unfortunate because I grew up watching the Today Show with Matt Lauer every weekday morning, and I wanted to be him for the longest time. And I still would like to be in his position. I will be a lot nicer to the people. NBC, if you're listening... I'm available as of uh, spring 2016. You want to bring me in? We could have some big ratings. I promise all my listeners of this show would probably tune into that. Maybe not. Maybe not. 651 on Radio 1190, KVCU Boulder. Uh, Some tech news. Spotify is gathering its users and money as they prepare for an impending battle with the new Apple Music Service. Streaming music provider Spotify has responded responded to the threat poised by Apple Music the best way that they believe possible, by raising more money and growing its user base. Right now, Spotify has more than 20 million paid subscribers, and they say they have more than 75 million active users. Um, Spotify noted that it took five and a half years to get a 10 million paid subscriber base and just one year to get to 20 million. In May 2014, Spotify had 10 million paid subscribers and 40 million active viewers. Those numbers swelled to 15 million paid and 60 million active by the end of last year. The news came just after the Wall Street Journal reported that Spotify has closed a funding round for $526 million on an $8.53 billion valuation. Spotify didn't confirm that amount, but Sweden-based telecommunications company Talia Sonoria said Wednesday that it invested $115 million in Spotify in return for a 1.4% stake in the company. That amount and stake um, is basically worth $8 billion. 
So we'll see if Apple's new streaming music service will be able to run Spotify out of the building. I did recently get into iTunes Radio, which is free if you have an uh, iPhone. I believe it's also free on the laptop. You basically, It's kind of like Pandora. It's more like Pandora than it really is um, like Spotify. It just plays random music that is available in the – well, depending on the station you're listening to. I listen to a few stations in there, but I really like it. Um, obviously, you should always be tuned into Radio 1190, but if for some reason you need a break from us, you should try and actually check out the uh, Apple Radio, iTunes Radio, it's called. It's really cool. Um, it's free. The only thing is there are some ads uh, about every seven, eight songs, but that's what it's like on the real radio. So, so there you go. Except for on this station, because we're commercial-free. You're welcome. Alrighty. Uh, one more tech news note that is really exciting. Uh, Marriott hotels are actually going to start offering Netflix in hotel rooms. Um, guests at Marriott hotels will be able to use their own accounts to stream Netflix in their rooms. Um, it's available at six hotels right now, but it, if it catches on, I'm sure it'll be available in Marriott's around the world. Uh, Marriott is saying that they want to expand the service to 100 hotels by the end of the year and really want to hit all 300 plus of its u.s locations by the end of next year um you can just basically you show up at the hotel and you go into your room and you just sign into your netflix account for no extra um fee and again also if if you don't have netflix you can also sign up on the spot in the room uh, Marriott says it's the first hotel to provide guests with direct access to Netflix on their televisions um, as Netflix continues to make a run at standard television for the champion of video. Let's do the sports. 655 on Radio 1190 KVCU Boulder. And an hour minus four minutes here with Joe Paris on a roll. Uh, some local news. Peyton Manning says he is all in with the new Denver Broncos offense with a lot of buzz surrounding the upcoming Denver Broncos season and how well quarterback Peyton Manning will be able to fit into the team's new offense. The quarterback said today he is both committed and all into the new scheme. Manning said at the team's minicamp practice today that is just part of the process that we're learning, but he says he's committed and he says, quote, I'm all in on trying to make any adjustments that I have and at the same time do some of the things that I've done well and hopefully keep doing those things well and also improve on things that I need to improve on. Denver Broncos head coach Gary Kubiak has called plays in a version of the West Coast offense in his time as either an offensive coordinator or head coach, a span that really has covered his career when he joined the Denver Broncos in 1995 as a member of Mike Shanahan's staff. Um, the offense with its zone run game, plenty of play action rollouts and a quarterback under center more often than uh, Manning has been under center his career as he's usually a shotgun quarterback, have been topics of conversation around the Denver media. Uh, popular opinions say that Manning at 34, or sorry, at 39 years old is used to playing out of the shotgun using no huddle and a new system may not be able to be put into place successfully with Manning but I think Denver will figure it out they have so much talent on this roster this year that it's really it's it's head scratching to not have them as a Super Bowl favorite there you go put it out there right now all righty, some NBA news. The Cleveland Cavaliers knocked off the Golden State Warriors by a score of 96 points to 91 points. Last night, the Cavs now lead the series 2-1 to one with an unlikely hero stepping up 
And I'll be honest, I said he was not going to make a huge difference. Jared Broush actually said he was going to make a huge difference, and he was right. Matthew Delladova, the shooting guard from the Cavaliers, had a 20-point night to help will the Cavaliers over the powerful Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry has been criticized for some of his play. He played pretty well last night. Most notably, though, Harrison Barnes, the starter for the Warriors, had a scoreless night. And Clay Thompson only added 14, as Andrew Bogut only had four. Uh, there was a little bit of a scoring outage for the powerful Golden State Warriors last night. Andre Iguodala, the former Denver Nugget, did come off the bench in 36 minutes of action to add 15 points. But on the Cavs' end, it was really LeBron James and Matthew Delladova. Tristan Thompson added 10 points and played well. J.R. Smith had an efficient game, shooting 4 for 9 with 10 points. But one of my favorite stories of the year after he was traded from the Nuggets is Timofey Mozgov. Mozgov, a, a goofy guy from Russia who has really become famous over the last six months or having bizarre interviews and just being a quirky guy. Um, played on the Nuggets for a long time. He was traded to Cleveland at the deadline and is now he's got the opportunity to be the second Denver Nuggets former center to go on and win a NBA championship with LeBron. The first would be Chris Anderson. There it is. All righty. NHL news right now going on in Chicago is game four of the Stanley Cup finals. And at the end of the first period, Tampa Bay and Chicago are scoreless. Uh, Denver native Ben Bishop, who has been the starting goaltender for the Tampa Bay Lightning the entire season and throughout the playoffs, of course, um, actually is out tonight. Bishop has been put out with an injury. Um, he's not in the lineup, period. Sometimes if you see a goaltender who's got a little bit of an injury, you'll see them in the backup role. But Bishop, uh, not even on the bench here tonight. Andre Vizlevsky, who is the goaltending rookie sensation for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He wears number 88. Uh, a lot of people are frustrated with that, saying that 88 is not a goalie number. But uh, Vizlevsky doing a good job. Uh, his first real opportunity in the playoffs he did come in in relief um, at the end of game two when bishop came out with an injury he became the first nhl goaltender to uh, play less than a period and uh, be recorded a win in the stanley cup playoffs again that game is available on nbc which is on channel nine in the standard definition version of comcast here in the boulder area Uh, some stats from that first period I'm trying to look up what Vizlevsky did. Uh, two shots against, no goals against, only two shots on goal for the Blackhawks in the first period. Corey Crawford goes nine for nine. Both teams zero, well, Tampa Bay zero for three on the power play. Chicago zero for two. We will see who will step up in that one. That's the end of the show. Seven o'clock here locally in Boulder, Colorado. That's all I've got for you. We'll be back on Friday with the news and another episode of Wrestling Radio. We'll have members of New Era Wrestling joining us to talk about their uh, show in Golden on Saturday, as well as some WWE news. Coming up next is Ice Cream Social. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into Radio 1190 KVC Boulder. I'm Joe Paris. Thanks for joining me for the hour. It's been a fun one. We're going to leave you with the track. And coming up next is the Comedy Hour. You're tuned in. Radio 1190 KVC Boulder.